Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. And this is the time our kids are going to head out for children's church. So, bye. <laughs> They're excited. They don't have to stay. So, it's three-year-old through second grade. But hey, if, if you adults think that sounds like more fun, then um, no, you, you're stuck with me. Um, so, welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. Uh, today we are closing out our series, as uh, uh, Kelsey said at the beginning, this will be our last week in thinking about the, the greatest command. And so next week we're going to start a series on uh, the book of Jonah. And uh, I won't begin to preach it this morning, but except to say that uh, if you haven't read it since the children's ministry version of, of Jonah, I would encourage you to do so. Jonah is a fascinating book. Um, And at least for me, I leave thinking that Jonah isn't really that great of a dude. (laughs) Um, And so we'll get into more of that next week. But it's a short book. Uh, I would encourage you to to read it. It's just four chapters uh, if you want to read that between now and next Sunday. Uh, But it's a a really interesting book and I think a really uh, relevant book uh, for for us today and for people uh, across all generations, times, places. It has a timeless story um, ultimately about God's grace. And so we'll, we'll get into that next week. Uh, but for today, we are finishing up with, with uh, loving God. And so to begin that this morning, uh, I'm curious, who knows who this person is? Anybody? A thousand points if you get it right. Yell it, just yell it out loud. Anybody? Nobody? I thought somebody might. I didn't know who it was. Jack Benny, all right. Donna gets a thousand points. Give her a hand. <laughs> uh, there's no prizes, but you get a thousand points. <laughs> uh, that's right. This is Jack Benny. I did not know who Jack Benny was until this week. So, um, but apparently, lots of rough, rough crowd this morning. Sorry. Apparently, one of Jack Benny's better-known bits uh, from his radio program called, I think, The Jack Benny Show, something to that effect, Uh, he's having this, he has this encounter with a guy on the street who comes up to him, and they're kind of going back and forth, and the guy pulls a gun on him. Uh, And so eventually, the guy says to Jack Benny, all right, guy, listen, it's your money or your life. And there's this long pause. And the guy follows up, and he says, look, bud, I said your money or your life. And then that time, Jack Benny, without missing a a beat, says, I'm thinking it over. (laughs) Which would I rather give up? Uh, And it reminds me of a story in Mark where you may have heard it before, but Mark, uh, it's it's recorded in a couple of the Gospels. And and Mark, as we found as we went through the, the Gospel of Mark earlier this year, tells it a little differently than some of the others. But in Mark's gospel, he tells it as if this this rich young ruler runs up to Jesus and just throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, good teacher, what what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus says, well, first of all, you shouldn't call me good. Only God is good. And then he says, but if if you want to have eternal life, you need to keep the commands. And then Jesus kind of lists some commands that seem on the surface to be pretty easy ones to follow. Don't murder honor your parents, things like that. So the guy says, all right, that's good. I've done all those things since I was a boy. And so Jesus looks at him. Again, the guy's at his feet. He's fallen down in in reverence and honor at Jesus' feet. 
And Mark tells us that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And so Jesus says, okay then. He says, you lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. We talked about this idea a few weeks ago with loving God with all your heart, that that Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The idea that whatever it is that we are putting our treasure and our stuff toward, our heart is going to follow that. So Jesus kind of echoes that here. Uh, If you give all of your stuff to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Uh, This is sort of a scriptural question of, from a positive perspective, not from a mugger's perspective, uh, all right, bud, what's it going to be, your money or your life? And the guy has to think it over, and he leaves sad because he had great wealth. He had a lot of stuff. Uh, The word great there uh, is literally translated as much. He had much wealth. He had much stuff. And he was unwilling to give up his muchness in order to follow God. Uh, So as we think about loving God with all of our strength today, I think we find that as people striving to love God with with all that we have, with all that we are, We are called to love God with what we have much of and those things that we value and we treasure most. Uh, So you may remember that as we've been going through this series and and talking about Jesus as the greatest command is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so that part that he quotes is from Deuteronomy, from a prayer called the Shema. And in the Shema... Uh, it is translated as, or it lists, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That's how it's translated in most English versions. Uh, but the word strength there is actually rarely, uh, the Hebrew word that is translated there in our Bibles as strength is rarely translated as strength anywhere else in the Old Testament. Uh, it's actually an adjective that simply means very or very much. Uh, So it's used earlier, for instance, in Genesis. Six times God looks at creation and says it's good. But the seventh time he looks at it and said it is very good. The word is ma'od good, which is just a fun word to say. It was ma'od good. Uh, Later on, Cain gets angry at his brother Abel, angry enough to kill him. So he doesn't just get angry, he gets ma'od angry. Uh, And sometimes the writers would even list it twice. Uh, Like if something was really, really good they would say it was ma'od, ma'od, good. And so in Numbers, the Israelites go into Canaan and they come back and say the land is ma'od, ma'od, good. Or in our English Bibles, it says it is exceedingly good. So it is a word that adds weight and emphasis to other words, which we understand very well because it, it basically means very or very much. And so literally, the Shema says we are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our very, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And so it is generally understood by, by scholars and theologians uh, that this is getting at this word of, that I kind of said earlier, muchness, that we love God with our muchness, uh, that whatever it is that I have much of, I love God with that. 
This is why it is often translated as strength, or in some uh, interpretations or in some kind of communities of thought, it is translated even specifically as money or resources or material possessions. This idea that whatever it is that, that God has blessed me with much of, I need to be willing to love God with that and not hold on to that at the expense of following God with everything that I have. This is the issue that the rich young ruler has. Jesus looks at him and says, okay, you, you, you really want to come and follow me? Uh, you're holding on to this above me. You're not willing to come and serve me and love me with your muchness. And so you've got to give this up in order to truly love me with all that you have. When we think of it that way, uh, I think we can start to ask ourselves some questions because if we're honest with ourselves... We all have much of something. Uh, For some, that may be material resources, but for some, it may be gifts. Uh, And so as we begin to ask ourselves, what are my gifts? Where do I have influence and privilege? What am I good at? What do I have in abundance? What am I capable of? How do I use that muchness to love God and to bring Him glory? And what do I need to do to not put that and the pursuit of that muchness above my love and dedication for God? And so I think it's, it's, um, it's good, it's pertinent that this one comes last because, again, it is basically a word that says it's an emphasis of everything else. So, so everything about you, love God with, with all that you have in that. But for me personally, it kind of hits home. Because if you're not willing to put your muchness towards something, to love something with your strength, to pour out all of your physical self and abilities and resources into something, then how committed to it are you really? Uh, So I could say something like, I would love to be able to play the piano. And it's true. I would love to just snap my fingers and magically have the ability to play the piano well. (laughs) I think it'd be pretty great. I love listening to music uh, that has piano in it. Uh, I think it's beautiful, and I would love to just have the ability to sit down and play the piano. I have no desire to learn to play the piano. (laughs) (laughs) And so you know what's never going to happen. I'm never going to learn to play the piano. Um, And to this point in my life, I've been okay with that (laughs) Uh, because I'm not willing to dedicate any of my muchness in order to learn to play the piano. Um, If I really wanted to, I have the time that I could use to learn to play the piano, but there are other things that I would rather do with that time. Uh, If I really wanted to, I even have the, the, the material resources to buy a piano so that I could learn to play it but there are other things that I would rather spend my money on. Uh, I even have the space in my house to be able to put a piano, but there are other things that Ashley would rather have in our house, (laughs) so I don't have a piano. (laughs) So I can say all that I want that, man, I'd, I'd really love to play the piano, but if I'm never willing to commit my muchness to it, would I really love to play the piano? Probably not. And so with the piano, that makes sense because there are probably other things at this point in my life that I should be focusing my attention and my resources on. But when you begin to apply that to other parts of life, that's when I think the question starts to kind of hit home. 
Because how many of us have ever said, man, I'd really like for my prayer life to be better? I really wish I was, I was more connected with God, and I, and I felt connected to God as this other person does. And I think sometimes we can do the same thing with that with our faith, like we might do for someone who plays the piano really well. We listen to music and think, man, wouldn't it be great to, to play the piano like that, that person does? And what we fail to, to realize in that sometimes is the hours and years of work that went in to that person being able to sit down and play the piano that way. And so the question comes, am I willing to love God with my muchness? Am I willing to put all of those things into my faith, to my relationship with God, or to anything else it is in life that I might say, I love this or I want to be this? Uh, several years ago, I knew a guy who was the strength and conditioning coach for a Division I college football team. And if you picture a prototypical college football strength and conditioning coach, it was this guy. Buzzed head, huge muscles, tall, big, um, but super nice guy. Intimidating to look at, but really nice and fun to talk to. <laughs> and so uh, one time we kind of got to talking about conversations like this, about dedicating yourself to someone uh, or to something. And so he told me, he said, you know, you can play peewee or little league football and not really be that committed to it. You can play peewee football and not really love it. Your friends are doing it, everybody else is doing it, you go out, you have fun. He said, it's the same thing in junior high. You can go out, you can have fun, you don't really have to be that committed. He said, when you get to high school, the commitment level goes up a little bit, but you still don't have to be consumed by it. He said, but by the time our guys get to our program at a Division I school in college... If you don't love it, if you're not committed to it, and if you're not willing to give all of your strength and resources to it, you're going to be exposed. Your, your shallow love and desire for football will be exposed. And so he said, if a guy comes in out of shape, but he's willing to work, he said, we can fix that. We can, we can work them, we can get them stronger, we can do all that stuff. But if he's out of shape and not committing to showing up, if he won't love football with his muchness, those are my words, not his. If he won't love it with all of his strength, with his muchness, muchness, then typically he's scared to death of being uncomfortable. And that has stuck with me. Uh, because I think a lot of us are, are fearful of being uncomfortable in our faith, in our walk with God. And at some point in anything that we do, if we're going to get stronger in it, if we're going to love it with all of our strength, if we're going to gain strength in that area, it's going to require us being uncomfortable. It's going to require pushing us outside of what we are comfortable doing or being. Loving something with all of your strength, with all of your muchness, means loving that more than the muchness. Uh, the young man that I referenced in Mark wasn't willing to give up his stuff, his muchness for Jesus. He would have rather held on to those things in order, instead of following Jesus. And so while it's easy to criticize that guy, I think it's harder to turn inward and ask ourselves, what am I unwilling to give up? Uh, what is the muchness that I am holding on to and thinking, it would, life would be uncomfortable if I relinquished this or gave this up? And so I think that is a big part of loving God with all of our strength, thinking about those things. Where do I have much? Where have I been blessed with very? And how can I use whatever my very is to love God or dedicate myself to Him?
But I want us to think about another aspect of that this morning, about loving God with all of our strength, that I think goes with it. Um, And if the first part was a little more step on your toesy, then this one will be a little more encouraging, and we'll try to hit both sides this morning. Uh, Because I think that loving God with all of our strength also challenges us and encourages us encourages us to think about where our true strength and source of strength comes from. Uh, so there's this a great passage in 2 Corinthians that has meant a lot to my faith in my journey over the years where Paul begins to talk about all the many things in life that he could boast about in and of himself. Uh, it sounds, in our terminology today, almost like a humble brag that he's saying, I could boast about all these things, and then he lists them. <laughs> I'm not going to, but I could. (laughs) This is what I would boast about if I could. He says, so I could do that. I could make my appeal to you, in other words, on the basis of these things about me and about my muchness. He says, but I'm not going to do that. He says, in fact, uh, I've gone to God three times in order to take away something from me that, that I don't want to be a part of me anymore. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. And he says three things, three times he he has gone and he has asked God to take this away, and God hasn't. So he says, therefore, I boast in my weaknesses instead of my strengths. Now, if you've heard this scripture a lot, this is one of those that I think sometimes we just kind of read and gloss over. But think about that. Who boasts in their weaknesses instead of their strengths? Uh, imagine going into a job interview or something, and, and they ask you, so what are your strengths? And you say, well, really, you know, I could tell you about my strengths, but really I'd rather tell you about my weaknesses. <laughs> in fact, an interview, when they teach you how to interview, they say, try to disguise your weaknesses, right? Just say, well, you know, my weaknesses, I work too hard, right? You know, something like that. You try to disguise your weakness as a, as a you know, a strength in some ways, because we don't want other people to know what our weaknesses are. We cover up our weaknesses. We disguise them. As we looked at a couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks with Adam and Eve, we try to cover them with fig leaves. We don't want people to see our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, our frailties. Those are things we try to cover up. We certainly don't boast in them. We don't walk around telling people how weak we are, how frail we are, how vulnerable we are, our biggest struggles. We don't boast in those things, but that's what Paul says. He says, I boast in my weaknesses. So why would you do that? Well, for Paul... It's because doing so serves as a reminder of where his true strength comes from. That if, if I am solely focused on my own strength and my own muchness to get me through life, at some point that's going to break down. At some point I'm going to come to something that is going to break me physically, emotionally, spiritually. So Paul says, I'd rather delight and boast in my weaknesses because it reminds me where my true strength comes from. And when I hear Paul say, I, I, I asked three times to have this taken away, what I, this, it doesn't say this in the text, but what I almost hear him saying is, you know, God, we're, we're doing some great stuff here. This is the conversation I picture Paul having with God. We're doing some great stuff here, but, you know, I'd be a whole lot more effective if I didn't have this. You know, God, if I was a little more like, you know, Peter is so athletic. <laughs> if I could run and jump like Peter, I could get around places better. Uh, I don't know what his thorn in the flesh is. A lot of people think it was some type of maybe physical disability. But, you know, man, I sure could get around better if I didn't have this, this issue. I could be a much more effective minister if I didn't have this. 
And God says, no, my power is made perfect in your weakness. To a certain extent, it keeps Paul humble. And it reminds Paul of where his true strength comes from. And I think we fall into the same traps as Paul sometimes. We say, man, if only I was more like that person, then I could really do some great stuff. If I had this gift, if I had this strength. And I think part of loving God with our strength is realizing God has given me the muchness that I need to serve in his kingdom. When I plug that into the strength of God and allow him to, God, allow him to work through me. So God says to Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. Finally, Paul kind of gets it. And then he says this. He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, Right before the sermon this morning, we sang the song, Everlasting God. Uh, which is a song based on words from Isaiah 40 that we're going to look at uh, here in just a minute. Uh, But the song is written by a man named Brenton Brown, who was uh, involved in worship ministry in England as a young man before he became ill. And so his illness started as he just woke up one morning and and wasn't feeling very well, uh, and then it turned into six months of just ongoing sickness and illness and and just kind of general fatigue. Uh, Finally... He was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, which is, uh, in his own words, means you're going to be tired a lot. Uh, and as an actual diagnosed condition, it's, it's very rare, but what, what made Brenton's condition even more rare is that his girlfriend at the time and the woman that would become his wife was actually diagnosed with the same thing. And so this couple had to basically reevaluate their life and their lifestyle and what they were doing. Because as he would say later, he said, it was like in our early 20s, we just retired and had to figure something else out. So they left England, moved back home to South Africa. And as they were trying to navigate how to live with this condition, uh, they found strength and comfort and encouragement in the words of Isaiah 40. And so these are the words of of that chapter that gave them comfort, and these are the words that inspired the song uh, that we sang this morning. Isaiah 40, this begins, I think, in verse 28. It says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Imagine being someone who cannot escape tiredness or weariness. And the words of comfort you might have in serving a God who does not grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so these words kind of became a mantra for this couple that became the song Everlasting God. And as I asked this morning, can you imagine what it's like to, to be someone who's tired and weary and get encouragement from this song? Maybe you're sitting there this morning thinking, yes, I can. <laughs> In fact, I don't have to imagine it. Uh, I am tired. I am weary. I've fallen and, and I don't know how to get back up. Uh, I, I feel as if I am constantly stumbling. And so if you are thinking 
that this morning, then may you be encouraged with the confidence that God does not lose strength, God does not grow weary, and through Him we are promised that we can soar on wings like eagles, not because of our strength, but because of His. So on one hand, loving God means being willing to push yourself, being willing to push ourselves uh, beyond our comfort zone and, and dedicating and loving God with our muchness knowing that there are times when that's going to, to make us a little bit uncomfortable and knowing that if I'm not uncomfortable in that, maybe it means I'm really not pushing quite hard enough. But on the back side of that, the encouragement that we get from Paul, the encouragement we get from Isaiah, is that as I am striving to serve and love God with all of my strength, God will continue to pour His strength into me. Because God does not grow weary, he does not lose hope, he does not get tired, he does not lose strength. My strength will run out. There are days when I run out of strength. There are, way, there are days that I'm tired. There are days that I feel like it would be better just to fall down and stay down for a little bit, right? So I can have some time to rest and renew my strength. But repeatedly throughout scripture, we are reminded God does not lose strength. He does not grow tired. And as we draw our strength from him, we are continu continually replenished as we pour our strength into our love for God. So may we be people who love God with our muchness. May we be people who are willing to look inwardly into our own lives and says, where is it that, that I have something that I could describe as very? And how can I love and dedicate that to God? And may we also be people who recognize that our true strength and the source of our strength is God, and that as we look to Him for our strength, uh, we will be lifted up and encouraged. This morning, we're going to continue to worship, and so I'm going to have uh, Chris, and I realized towards the end, our, our condensed version of, of the band this morning, <laughs> come back up here. Uh, as we are reminded where we gain strength from uh, through the, the resurrection of Jesus and the story of strength that that is for us. Uh, and so in just a minute, we're going to gather around communion and, and share in the communion meal this morning. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together as we continue to worship God in whom we find strength. And so if you are in need of, of strength this morning, if you're weary, if you're tired, if you have stumbled, then may you find strength and comfort in these words. And may we all consider how it is that we may go about serving and loving God with all that we have, including those things uh, that we might find difficult to give up. Uh, but we do so knowing that we serve a God who loves us so much that he gave his son for us. So would you stand uh, as we sing to that God this morning as we prepare to gather around communion.
So take me as you find me All my fears and failures And fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I prayer of confession as we prepare to share in communion together this morning. Let's pray. We confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> 